the word, uh, all of these things. But we're going to start here in uh, Psalms 27 and 14. Then I'm going to ask you to turn with me. Uh, and we're going to read again in Psalms 40. And uh, we're going to, uh, again, we'll bring conclusion to this series here tonight. Next Wednesday night, we will be back in full swing with our Kids Connect classes. So kiddos, uh, we appreciate your uh, patience and we will be back in business uh, for your classes next Wednesday. Uh, Kids Church back in action Sunday and uh, we're uh, just uh, looking forward to these times. And uh, anyway, just, wanna, just wanted to, to remind you kiddos that, that uh, you have not been forgotten that we will be meeting back here uh, on uh, next Wednesday. Psalms 27, verse number 14. If you're there with me, won't you say amen? The Bible here, and can we read this together? Let's read this together tonight. The Bible here says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Amen. So here as we have been looking at this as our central text, we find this command. That's what it is. It's not a suggestion. It is a command that says, wait on the Lord. Amen. Wait on him. Be of good courage in this process. He'll strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And we have looked at uh, a handful of things in this series on the season of Selah. To wait, to rest, to reflect, to think about, to meditate on. We've been looking at some of these things. So we've talked about the power of that pause and what that pause means and what it does. What it means to ponder, to think on, and what our minds need to be upon. What are the truths? Let me emphasize this. What are the truths that we must think on? And so we were looking there at what we ponder on. Last week we were talking about the power of praise in the season of Selah. That while in the waiting, while in the resting, while in the, in the pause and in the pondering, that there must be the action of praise. And so we were looking at that. And so tonight we are going to conclude with, and this is going to be two of these that are put together here, and that is going to be to Pray and proceed. Amen. To pray and to proceed. And so if you will look with me in Psalms chapter 40. Psalms chapter 40. And there is a very popular Bible app. I have it on my phone. Some of you might as well. The version Bible app. And they give a daily verse that it will... If you allow the app to do so, it'll show up, it'll pop up as a daily verse on your phone. And uh, I saw this today and I said, my, this is so fitting uh, with, with what we have been looking at. And, and so I wanted to read that verse to you and, uh, and I, as it's just, it goes perfectly here. Amen. Psalms 40, verse number 1 and 2, and it says here, I waited patiently for the Lord. Here he is again. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. Can somebody say amen? How many of you can say tonight, there's an old song said, my foot's on the rock and my mind's made up. Amen. Oh, and I'm glad tonight, amen, that he hears our prayer and 
allows us and guides us to proceed. So we're going to look at this tonight, to pray and proceed. Can we, can we pray together? Ask the Lord to help us. Lord, once again, we thank you tonight for every heart and life represented. We thank you, Lord, for your presence and for your people And Lord, we're asking that your anointing would rest upon your word, I pray. Rest upon our hearts and ears. Rest upon me as just a vessel and a mouthpiece, Lord. Help us that we hear you and see you tonight. Let those true words of the gospel penetrate our hearts. And help us that we can leave here different than the way we've come. And we thank you in advance for what you'll do. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. We have looked upon, I believe, some very important principles that must be exercised, must be adopted into our lives. And I believe that is crucial in seasons of waiting, in seasons of rest, in times as to where there is pause in our life, times as to where there is a seeking after God when we know that we, beyond anything else, we have to have His direction. We need Him to speak to us. We need Him to lead us and guide us. We also, in the leading and the guiding and His speaking, these things bring to us light and revelation. There's challenge that comes when we hear Him. Uh, there is the much needed instruction. There are times that comes in the course of correction, encouragement. There are times as to where uh, I firmly believe that when we are on the precipice of making decisions and steps to be made, that it is imperative that we diligently seek after the will of God and that we pursue Him above all things. Seeking Him first, the Word of God says, His kingdom, His righteousness. And the Bible said that if we can get all of that right, if we can get those things right, Brother Danny, there's the promise that everything else shall be added. In other words, everything else can have that way of falling into line, falling into place. Did you know tonight that there are some things that you don't have to figure out right now? That God's going to bring it along and God's going to bring it to purpose and God's going to bring it to pass. But what we do have to set ourselves after right now and what must be attained right now is that in all that is done is that we're seeking Him first. And Lord, the importance of seeking You is going to take precedence over everything else. And so I will wait and I will pause and I will rest and I will change what needs to be changed. I will adjust so that I can hear you clearly, so that I can see your face in the way that you want me to see, that I can be tender and sensitive to your direction. These are the things that we've been looking at. These are the characteristics we've been in pursuit of. These are the things we've been looking and teaching over here in these last weeks. And so tonight in this conclusion, as we have talked about the pause and we've talked about what we ponder and meditate on, the power that comes with praise. Last week we had mentioned that praise, it turns our attention to Him. We focus our attention upon Him as we praise Him. We look at when we turn our attention to him we look at his attributes those attributes brother Torbert it reminds me of who he is and who I am not of what God can do and where I'm limited and it brings me uh, both delight and it brings me correction as well because how many of you know we can all be pretty stubborn and hard-headed and trying to do it the way we want to do it amen and there's times that there's times that we just need a good reminder, Brother Chad, that God's God and we're not. Amen. And that we need to let Him be sovereign and we need to let Him move and we need to let Him work. And when I look at His attributes, Brother Keith, these things remind me of who He is. His greatness, His power, His glory, His is the victory, His is the majesty. Hallelujah. And also we talked what praise does when your attention's on 
Him, when your attention's on His attributes, it affects your attitude. Amen. It will change what's going on in here. That attitude is a manifestation of the heart. The attitude is a manifestation of, of what you're thinking on and what permeates in your mind and what's soaking into your soul that comes forth in your attitude. And we were talking a little bit about how God gives the best attitude adjustments. Amen. And, uh, and how it is needed. Amen. In our day. And, and in this hour, in this moment, Lord, uh, challenge my attitude. And so here tonight as we look on this, we find where the psalmist mentions again the weight, the rest. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. This reveals to us that in this waiting, in the season of rest here, in this place of patience, that prayer is going on. Now, here's something that I want you to understand that is not a popular relationship that we want to put with prayer. And because we are very geared... And I say this respectively, but I lump myself into this category. And you can call it a generational thing. You can call it a cultural thing. Because we are very used to, Brother Thacker, we are very used to getting what we want, when we want it, as quick as we want it. Right? We're used to that. It, 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 it happens instantaneously on, upon many respects in many things. Now, we could sit here and we could gripe and argue about what we don't have and what we, what, we, what we do want. We can't get it yet and all that. But I can assure you of this. What you do get instantly, what you do get without having to wait, and it's just instant gratification, I can promise you in 2020, in the United States of America is that those things you get right now when you want it trumps often the things that you feel like you are shorted and what you have to wait for. I know that we don't necessarily want to admit that because we can make a list a mile long of things we want and we don't have, right? But that is just a part of us to a large extent we're spoiled, to a large extent, it's just, it's just something else to have, something else to collect, something else to say that we got it. But for the most part, most of us, on a daily basis, whatever it is you're after, you can go ahead and get it, right? What is the great dilemma that a lot of adults face? We just came out of Christmas time. And if you're around our house... And Sister Carolyn and I are talking, and we ask each other, say, what is it? What's something you might like for Christmas? Both of us are going to say the exact same thing. You know what that is? I don't need anything. I, I, I don't need anything. I don't necessarily want anything. And Brother Torbert, I will be honest, and this is just telling you how spoiled we are. And some of you sitting here looking at me cross-eyed, or you're half asleep on Wednesday night, but let me just be truthful with you. I have to think and look. And Brother Pickens, sometimes you scroll through Amazon and say, well, I, I might like something like that. Uh-huh. Why? Because it is not, there's not anything really, if I'm being real honest, and here is why. I'm a grown man. She's a grown woman. We have uh, employment. We have money in the fact that if there's something that I need to pick up at the time, I'll, if I can do it, if I can afford it, if it's, you know, if it's reasonable by all those things, then I can just go to the store, Brother Gary, and I can get it. You know, I, it's not like when I was a kid and I had to wait 20 12 months before I got the thing, right? If I want some socks, Brother Brad, I'll just go down the store and buy some. Amen. If I want a pair of tennis shoes, I'll just go buy some. And uh, because I have that ability. Now, let me get to, to this point in particular. He says, I want you to notice, in connection with his prayer, he uses the term, I waited. I waited. In other words, I tarried. I learned 
I learned that I don't need the instant gratification. I learned that there are, as a matter of fact, uh, it's true almost in every sense of the phrase. I have learned that very good things are worth waiting for. And we as a church, we as God's people, we don't always like to put those two together because the same mentality of how we live every day with the ability to go and get and do and whatever the case might be, we like to bring that same mentality to our prayer life. We like to bring that same mentality to the church. We like to treat God with that same mentality in the sense that there are people how many times in ministry have I talked with folks and they are disgusted, they are frustrated, I mean they're beyond the point, I mean you think their whole world's falling apart, you begin to talk with them and say well what's going on, I mean what's the problem, well I prayed that time for that thing to happen and it didn't happen I, I wanted that one thing to happen, and now I'm just mad. I'm mad at God. I'm mad at this. I'm mad at that. And, and we laugh and we smirk, but these are real conversations that we really do have. And these are real feelings that we really do have. And, and when we take that sense, and I, I love you, and I'm saying this with a smile because I, I do love you, but that is a sense of immaturity. Just being real, it's a sense of immaturity. And we get ourselves worked up and our feelings are hurt against God. And, and we think God don't love us. And then we're in a frame of mind. We're in the wrong frame of mind. And the enemy, he sees that vulnerable place. And he'll come in and begin to taunt us and toy with us. And say, see there, I knew, I knew that God didn't care about you. And that if God really did love you, this would have happened. And that would have happened. And, and then we justify things like, well, I'm not praying for selfish things. I'm praying for the salvation of my family. I'm praying for the healing of a loved one. I'm praying for this or I'm praying for that. And why is it God doesn't seem to be moving? Why is it that we that there's all this waiting? Why are those things? And let me just say this, is that we have to come to the resolve and the resolution that we don't have to have that answer right now, Brother Gary. But what I will do, there are two things things that I'm required to do I will wait on God and while I'm waiting I will pray I will wait on God and while I'm waiting I will pray and if he still don't answer sister Laura I'm going to wait some more and I'm going to pray some more can I tell you we need to get back to knowing what it is to learn to pray something through to learn to wait on God to learn to get in that closet and instead of calling everybody telling everybody how mad we are and frustrated we are take it to the Father call on His name reach out to heaven ring the prayer bells of heaven and can I say there's nothing wrong with waiting on the Lord there's nothing wrong with waiting on Him but we too many times, you've heard me say it before, but too many times we're treating God as a, a spiritual genie, a spiritual Santa Claus, and we're wanting certain things. And if we don't get it right then, that's why I get nervous. I, I get nervous, and maybe you'd say, well, you're just sounding cynical, Brother Jacob, if that's what you'd accuse me of, okay. But I kind of get nervous when I hear people, they'll stand and testify. It makes for a good testimony. It makes for something good to say in front of people. You say, anybody got a testimony? Somebody will stand up and say, oh, I got testimony. And they'll say, if he don't ever do anything for me again. And right then, Brother Eddie, I get itchy. <laughs> right then, I Why, Brother Jake? Because I'm thinking, <laughs> liar, liar, pants on fire. Amen. Well, how can how, somebody's in here right now and you're kind of offended? I'm saying that. Well, and some of you are thinking right now, did I say that one time? 
Because some would just, oh, if he never does anything for me again, I'll still praise him. I'd still love him because he's been so good to me. It calls for a good testimony. But the truth of the matter is, we can't be patient enough for a week or a day or a month for some things to happen that we've been praying about. And so you know good and well, if we was honest, that if today heaven sent you a memo and said, all right, Anna, all the other prayers, everything else we're done it's over I've done enough for you that'll get you from here to eternity we would be we would be so naive to stand and say well I'm fine with that I'm perfectly that's my glory no for some for many should I say for all them there's fighting words right we would start the argument, but why? Why, God? Why would you do that? How come? But here's what I'm trying to say. We will throw things out loosely. We will say things frivolously. But the church today, we must recapture what it is to wait on God and to power that with prayer to see what God's going to do in the waiting. In the waiting. Do you know there's been some things that I prayed for and I had to wait on it. And because I had to wait on it, do you know that there was some things that changed in the process? One of the first things that changed in the process was me. One of the first things that in my changing was my attitude. <laughs> what, what do you mean? But I'm praying for something good and... If I'm praying for something good, then surely, surely, you know, then I'm right and I'm okay. Let me tell you something. God will hold some things back. God will push pause on it. God will say, it's a season of Selah for you. He says, I want you to wait. I want you to wait patiently while you're praying. Because the more you pray, the more the Spirit of God's going to get in there and do some excavation. The more you're going to look at yourself through the lens of His Word. The more that you pray, the more that you seek him the more the mind of God sets inside of you and there's been times brother Clayton where I come to find out I stood up one day and said you know what I was praying for something and I realize now I didn't even need it and I'm glad God said no and I'm glad God said wait a minute and I'm glad God said hold on you don't need it now but what you need is more time with me what you need is to hear my voice what you need is to pray hallelujah oh I know for some you don't want to shout over it because maybe right now you're in the waiting and the praying let me just say tonight there's a lot of things prayer I believe is one of those subjects that's it's nearly inexhaustible in preaching you can always bring something out about prayer we can talk about the discipline of prayer the dynamics of prayer we can talk about the stylings of prayer. We can talk about all of those things. But I just want to share with you a couple of things that God laid on my heart about prayer. Okay? And what I believe is very important, imperative. It's very imperative that we grab a hold of this while we're in the waiting and the praying. So let me just say this. Is that oftentimes, and I know you've heard pastors say this, but I believe it's important to hear this tonight. Is that oftentimes in the praying, it is one-sided. It is us always sharing. It is us always telling. It is us always disclosing to God what we need, what we want, what should happen, who it should happen for. All of those things. So tonight, can I tell you, can we just talk a minute about the, the little thing that we overlook and the little thing that nobody really talks about very often when it comes to prayer? And that is, I'm not here tonight to try to give you seven steps and principles of how to pray, how to enunciate when, you know, the, the importance of praying in tongues, the importance of this or that. I'm not going to cover any of those things. I'm going to talk about this one little word that we don't often talk about in prayer and it means this it is to listen to listen when we pray we are so caught up in laying out to God over and over all the 
the things we want, we need, what is desired, all of this kind of stuff. And that's good. That's fine. There is time and place for it. But too many times we drop those things and, hey, the Bible says, cast our cares upon him. He said, give it to me. That's what he said. I'm built for it. I can handle it. That's what he's telling you. But too many times we are only interested in saying and telling and then walking away and we are never giving God opportunity to speak to us and I want to remind you tonight that in a season of Selah when God hits pause when God says rest when God says wait when God says nothing at all listen Can I encourage you to do this? Speak less and listen more. Well, if I showed up to prayer meeting and I did that. Brother Jacob, if you was here in prayer meeting and you didn't utter anything, you just walked around this building. I mean, folks are going to think you're strange. People's going to think you're weird. I mean, isn't that what we're here for? I mean, aren't we here to pray? and Aren't we here to weep and to cry? Yes, absolutely. But I just want to, I want to challenge you in the fact of that there, it, as powerful as your words are, as much as God longs to hear from you, can I tell you, He wants you to hear from Him. He wants you to hear from him. And so listen. I know you've heard me say, but I'll say it again. The same letters that spell listen are the same letters that spell silent. We've got to learn to get quiet. We've got to learn. I want you to understand something here that happens. The Bible says, as he waited patiently for the Lord. And listen to this. It says, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Now it's important. I want you to know the psalmist here, he's sharing his burden, but I want you to notice God's body language. I want you, what do you, what do you mean, Brother Jake? It's right here. It's right here. When he said, Brother Torbert said, he inclined unto me. Did you know? I, some of you know the story a little bit, but when the Smiths moved and came to South Roxana to pastor, Sister Carolyn and I, we, we met in school. And I heard all summer long about the new pastor's daughter who was coming to school. I heard all summer long. I had Brother Pick in there, some of them boys said, I'm going to date her. I said, okay, I didn't know who she was. I didn't know anything. Brother Mike, that first day she walked in, buddy, I, I knew who she was. And, and before I ever saw her, I walked in, and guess whose desk was right next? Right next to the new girl. Uh-huh. And so, did you know what happened is, is I, I mean, every day, Brother John, she'd come in, I'd smell her perfume. You know how hard it is to do algebra? When that pretty thing smells so pretty as well, sitting right next to you. Uh, yeah, it's getting deep, I know. I know it. And I ain't even in trouble. I ain't even, I ain't, I ain't even got, I'm not even trying to earn points tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. When, when, now I, I didn't do this. Sister Carolyn did, and it, she kind of pulled me into this. When the teachers weren't around, she'd want to talk to me. Yeah, I know. Tried to tarnish my reputation. Yeah. And we had, with our desks there by each other, she'd, she'd look around that divider. What you doing? You know, we'd be talking. But, here, but here's what happened is every chance I got when she wanted to say something, my body language would change. And here's what would happen. What she was saying was important to me, and so I would... I'd lean in on the conversation because I wanted her to know what she had to say was important to me. Did you know, have you ever noticed that when you are in conversation 
and you're, when somebody is really paying attention to you, did you know their whole countenance, their whole demeanor, everything changes. You begin to really lean in and take, that's what the word incline there means. You could literally say, he leaned in and he listened. It also means, definition there means not only to lean in, but it means to give preference to. To give preference to. Brother Gary, it said here, so let's say it like this. I waited on the Lord. I'm in the season of waiting. I've been praying. And it said that in this he heard my cry. Before he heard my cry, said he leaned in and he gave me preferential treatment. He listened to me. Can I say tonight, if God is willing to listen to us, we need to be willing to listen to him. We need to be willing to listen. Can I tell you tonight, do not come to me and tell me you know God's will. To tell me you know what you should or shouldn't be doing in a situation. To tell me that, well, when it comes to things of right or wrong, when it comes to things that could jeopardize your spirituality, when it comes to decisions for your home or for your children, and if you're going to have conversation with your pastor about God's will or God's direction, do not tell me you know. Do not tell me you know his will. Do not tell me you know his mind. When you have... Have not listened to him. Oh, but Brother Jake, I've talked to God about it. That's good. But did you listen to him? Because you can talk all day long and you can say all the things that you think need to say. But did you know is that there are some things that God wants you to hear that he's got to say about the situation. I can tell you wholeheartedly with all the confidence in the world. When there are those who will tell me things that it's God's will. And I know it's not God's will. Not because I'm a spiritual guru. Not because I'm a know-it-all. And I'm very careful. There some folks they love to tell everybody what God's will is for somebody but I am very reserved in that I don't use those words unless I know that I know that I know and oftentimes uh, that when God deals with me about that in speaking to somebody it typically is in the form of a warning it's typically in the form of you need to reconsider you need to pray about this you need to think about it but I, I can say that I know it's not God's will because there are folks who sincerely believe they are right and sincerely believe God is for them but the truth of the matter is they are sincerely wrong because their actions, their attitude and their behavior is out of line with his word you cannot be in his will when you are not in line with his word and you can't be in line with his word if you are not listening to the voice of God God will reveal his secrets and his plans to a praying man or a woman. But he can only reveal those things when we're listening. I, I must move on. What do we listen for? I want you to notice this is a popular piece of scripture here. It's 818. Don't get nervous. We're normally, we're normally done about 830. I got 12 minutes. Well, thank you. And we're going to go. We're going to go. Listen, it says this. 1 Kings 19, very familiar scripture. And he said, this is the Lord speaking to Elijah. Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great strong wind rent the mountains. Broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. I want you to notice, Sister Laura, he could feel the wind. He could see the rocks break. Right there is enough for some folks 
They base everything off, off of what they feel and what they see. And that's why everything is so lopsided for you spiritually. Feelings and sight. Those two things are contrary to a person of faith. First of all, God said, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And he said this, he said, we walk by faith and not. So God gave Elijah a living illustration. He said, I want you to go out here and stand before the mount of the Lord. Sent the wind, he could feel the wind on his face and he saw the rocks burst into pieces. He could feel the earthquake. The heat of the fire. But the man of God said he wasn't in any of it. Church generation today, if the wind blew hard enough and the rocks broke in pieces and the earth shook and the fire was hot enough, bless God, hallelujah, he's in the middle of it. We're going to have revival. Woo, we're stirred up. We're excited. All these things we have seen and we have felt what we're looking for. But I'm telling you, those that are in the season of Selah, there are many times you're seeing nothing and you're feeling nothing. And it seems that all of heaven got quiet. But God says I want you to listen and notice that Elijah could only know God was there when he heard that still small voice it was only then so can I share with you mark it down write it down keep it in your heart it is not just in what we feel and see We've got to hear. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. When we learn to listen, here's another important part in the praying and in the proceeding. When you listen, when you really listen, you learn something. You learn something. Have you ever tried to work with somebody? You couldn't teach them anything. Why couldn't you teach them anything? Because they, they didn't want to listen. They thought they already knew. You go to tell them. You go to tell them what to do. And they'll, oh, this, is what, this is what I'm going to do. This, this is what mama always did. This is, what, this is what we always did. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, okay. If that's, if that's what you think. If that's what you think. Can I say is that there are things, we just finished this series on take my yoke upon you. And what did Jesus say when he said take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Can I say tonight there are things, there are truths we must learn and you will only learn if you will listen. If you will listen. Well, I know it, Brother Jake. I've been around the block. I've grown up in the church. I've been here 60 plus years. I know everything. I know when you read a text, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to preach. I know every song they sing. I've been to every camp meeting, every revival. I've done this and I've done that. That's wonderful. That's good. I applaud you. But let me say, we must be careful because can I tell you, the hardest headed people to listen and to learn something are church folks. So religious, you can't get past your religion. So much form and function, you can't get past it. So much tradition, you can't get over it. So many memories that hold you hostage. Oh, I know, I'm, care I'm tiptoeing right now, aren't I? Sacred cows, golden calves, all the things we got to watch. Hear me. The hardest people to listen and to learn something. Because I want to tell you something. When you learn something, it means you're picking up on something new. And one of the things that happens with religious-minded people is, you know what Jesus did? He came on the scene and he offered some new things. 
Now, some of you right now get nervous because you think this is an introduction that Brother Jacob's going to break out something new. I'm going to turn strobe lights on or something. No, God help us. No, I promise you. That ain't going to happen. We ain't painting the walls black and we ain't, we ain't putting coffee tables in. We ain't, that ain't, so don't get nervous because some of you right now, you kind of straightened up a little bit. What, what does he mean? Something new. What's he mean? Bless God. I'm telling you right now. If he does it, we're out of here. If he does it, we're done. No. Here's what I want you to know. Please hear me. This is what happened. Jesus came. He told them they were so fixated on the law. They told him, they said, our father is Abraham. And if you read, if you, if you read with us through the book of John, you'll find there was constant, constant controversy about those who believed and did not believe on Christ. They said, our father's Abraham. Your father, they'd tell him, said, your father's a fornicator. They were attacking Joseph. They were attacking the controversy of Mary. And the supposed virgin birth. They, they just, they were attacking all of those things. And, and they were always about the law. And Jesus, he had reminded me, he said, I did not come to do away with the law. He said, but I want you to know, he said, in me, all of it is fulfilled. They were griping and carrying on because he had healed somebody on the Sabbath. <gasps> he, they'd get all upset because nobody before had ever told somebody their sins were forgiven. What did he do? Brother T, he showed up and there was something new. And there were many whose hearts were so hard they were not willing to learn. Our teachers have been sometimes the cruel taskmasters of tradition, of alienation, of ostracizing people, prejudices, partialities, all of these things, and we do such things under the guise of Christianity, and God is a million miles away from it. He's a million miles away from it. More people who could have been born again have been killed by religious-minded people who are not willing to listen and learn what God was trying to say. So now let me say this. My 13 minutes is almost up. You can only proceed. You can only go forward. Let me say it like this. You can only grow forward when you have listened, when you have learned. And then we find that then... You can follow his leading. You can follow his leading. You listen to what he has to say. You learn. You learn what the spirit of God says. Learn what the word of God is saying. Did you know? That's why it's imperative. Read your Bible. Pray every day. Isn't that what the kids church learned? And you'll grow, grow. Right? I'm not going to do all the actions. But it's truth in that. You'll grow. He will lead you. It is amazing what we can learn when we are willing to listen. And it's amazing where God will lead you to if you're willing to learn and be led. Can I say this? I want you to notice what happened here. He's waiting patiently for the Lord. He inclined. God leaned in. Gave him preference. Listened and heard his cry. And then it says... He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock. Listen, God cannot take you where he wants you to go if you're not willing to let go of the stuff that's behind you. There are some folks, you're stuck in the miry clay, you're stuck in sinking sand, it's going nowhere. There's no future in it for you. It's of the past. God has saved you from it, but he's trying to pull you out of it. And you're kicking and you're hollering. You don't want to learn. You don't want to listen. 
You think you're safe. You think you know it. You think you can handle it. And God is saying, I can't get you here if you're still holding on to this back here. Can't do it. What did Paul say? Forgetting those things which are behind. And he said, I press towards that mark. The things that are before me. There are too many of us that we are stuck. He brought me out. But you've got to be willing to get out. Do you know I tried to save a neighborhood friend of mine when I was 11 years old in a swimming pool. He got out in the middle of that pool in the deep end and he was drowning. Kicking, flailing in a panic. I dove in to get him, Brother Keith. I could swim. I'm a good swimmer. I swam. I got over there to him. I went to grab a hold of him. And do you know he nearly drowned me? Because he would not relax and just let me get him and pull him. Some of you drowning. You're drowning in anxiety and fear. You're drowning in things about the future. You're drowning about all this stuff. And you're, you can say it with your lips all day long. I want out of this mess. I want God to do I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to learn, Brother Jake. But I'm going to tell you, you've got to be willing. You will not get anywhere. Because every time God's coming to rescue, you're kicking, fighting, and you're scratching, and you're clawing. To lead you to where he wants you to go, you've got to be willing to quit hanging on to that stuff that's behind you. Call it comfort. Call it what you're used to. Call it whatever the case might be. But I'll tell you, I will call it this. It's a hindrance and it's a weight. And it will kill you. You might die slowly, but you'll die. And you'll die stuck in it. Too many of us too many of us, Brother Danny, Sister Carolyn, if you'll come, we're trying to move ahead and we're stuck. But the psalmist here said, he brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet up on a rock. God don't want you to stay where you are. And let me say this, I believe I can say this with the 100% confidence. Brother Coleman, how things are, whether good, whether bad, however you categorize it, God don't want it to stay that way in your life. If it's good, he wants it to be better. If it's bad, he'll make it good. He can. Now notice I didn't say perfect. I didn't say sh sunshine and rainbows. But if we're going to proceed we've got to pray and if we got if we're going to pray we're going to have to learn that we're going to have to be patient but there are some things you're waiting on you're praying about and you're waiting on and you're praying about and some of you right now you want to defend yourself and say well I've been praying two years five years ten years listen 40 years in the wilderness Moses estimated at 80 years old, on the run for murder, hiding out, watching his father-in-law's sheep. 40 years in the wilderness, 80 years old. And there's a voice that comes from a burning bush. 40 years. Noah. What's the book of Hebrews say? He was a preacher of righteousness 120 years. Build a boat, Noah. Okay. 120 years, Brother Torbert. Not one solitary soul outside of his family got in that ark. Not one. Eight were saved out of whatever the population was but a hundred and twenty years of waiting a hundred and twenty years of 
waiting on a storm cloud, waiting on rain to fall. The ridicule, the laughter, the doubts, the accusation, the fears. Think about it. Waiting. Daniel praying and fasting. It's 21 days before the answer came. The list goes on and on of time frames that have come, some shorter than others, some years, some days, some months. But in a season of Selah, there's got to be prayer before we proceed. We've got to listen. We've got to learn. And then, then, and I should say only then, can God really lead us. Can we bow our heads all over this house? Father, I thank you tonight for your word. Lord, I'm thankful for the truth of your word. And Lord, we have got to, we must look at that truth. It doesn't matter what truth is in our imagination. It doesn't matter what we feel that the truth is. It doesn't matter what we say that the truth is. It's a matter of what is truth, and your word is truth. And tonight, Lord, there might be some in a point of frustration in this season of waiting, in the season of Selah. Patient, waiting. It's been a while. We've been enduring, Brother Jacob. We've been holding on. What do we do? We're going to pray some more. We're going to let the Spirit of God reveal some things. And, we're, and He's going to do that as we listen. And as we listen, we're going to learn some things. God's going to change some things in us and help us to learn some things about His Word, about His truth, about who He is, about who we are. And it's then that He can lead us. Some of you tonight, you're seeking direction. You need to know. You feel like you need to know what to do. Where do I turn? How do I handle this? Which steps do I take? Well, I'm going to tell you, you cannot bypass the first two. You've got to listen. You've got to learn. And then God will lead you out. He'll establish your feet. Notice the psalmist went from sinking sand, miry clay, a horrible pit, to a solid rock. Unwavering truth. Some of us tonight, we're inconsistent. We've got doubts. We've got fears. We've got things we're holding on to that really have no place in your life. It's just causing you misery. And God says, I want to put your feet upon solid ground. I want you to walk in truth. I want you to know that you know my purposes, my plans for you. But you've got to listen and you've got to learn. If tonight you could say, Pastor, that's, that's my heart. That's what I want. That's truly what I want. And in the season of Salem, however long I've got to wait, as the psalmist said, I will wait patiently. But I'll be faithful. I'll be consistent. I'll listen. I'll learn. I'll let you lead. If that's your desire, can we come and find ourselves a place around these altars tonight? Could you come and find a place? And maybe tonight, maybe tonight, the first instinct is to talk, to tell God what's needed. But maybe tonight you would start with, I need to hear from you. Lord, I need to hear your voice. I, I want to listen to you, Lord. Maybe there's situations right now that he's wanting you to learn. I need you to learn some things about me. Maybe tonight you've got to listen because he wants you to learn it. Lord, I need you to lead me, but I can only be led if I'm willing to listen. If I'm willing to learn. Lord, challenge us tonight. Lord, challenge us tonight. Oh, 